And I'm, I, it's going to be a little lengthy, but I just felt like I need to do this. 36 through 53. It'll go by pretty quick here. Luke 24, 36 through 53. It says, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they, while they still did not believe for, uh, believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? All right, this was the resurrected Jesus, people. Are you hearing me? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ, for the Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached or proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Do you love Jesus this morning? He is awesome, isn't he? He'll change your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8 says this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, or the good news, which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if, say if, If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Oh, none of us want to be found believing in vain. Amen? For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by... Now get this, listen... And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, after his resurrection. Of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep or, or have died when this was written. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. 
Now listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a good story. It's not just wishful thinking. It is a fact. It is a historical fact. In fact, there were many witnesses that seen Jesus alive after the resurrection. And now listen, there is a reason why Christianity is the most attacked religion on this earth. Because it is the only spiritual truth on this earth. And Satan and evil spirits are trying to do their best to stop the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ on this earth. Are you hearing me? Say, it's not the Koran that's being banned out of schools, it's the Bible. There's an agenda behind this. You go see it for yourself. Or when people take uh, the Lord's name in vain. Come on, somebody. You ever got, you know, heard someone get their finger smashed and they say, Buddha. Mm. Harry Krishna. No, but what do they say? Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? There is an agenda because Satan and evil spirits know. Come on. The devil believes and trembles. He knows the power that's in the gospel. And if there is one thing in Christianity that Satan and evil spirits attack the most out of the doctrine, the beliefs of the Christian faith, or try to blind the minds of the people from, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right now, Buddha and all those other individuals are still in the grave, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and well. Nobody else can claim that. Are you hearing me? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the stamp of approval that was put upon him that he was who he said he was. The son of God sent to earth to take the sins of mankind upon himself through the cross, the death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. He is who he said he was. The word of God clearly points out that in order to be born again, in order to be saved from an eternity in hell, it is a requirement that a person believes in the literal resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. So, you can see now why Satan and evil spirits fight the resurrection doctrine so hard. Because it's a requirement to be saved. Go to Romans 10. Let me show you something here. Oh, it feels good to be back in the saddle. Romans Romans 10. The devil's probably not saying that right about now. Good to see you. I'm glad you're good to see me, but I know the devil's not glad to see me, and I'm happy for that. Amen? Amen. Romans 10, 9 through 10, says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, here it is, underline it, that God has raised him from the dead, the resurrection, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you know what? Someone can say, Jesus is Lord, and not believe the resurrection, and still go to hell for eternity. So if you call yourself a Christian and don't believe in the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, you are deceived and you're still a child of the devil. Hello. That's Bible. It's tight, but it's right. There is no other God, no other person that has made the claims that Jesus made about himself. And not only the claims that he made about himself, but... He fulfilled them 100%. Every prophetic word that was spoken thousands of years before his feet hit the ground on this earth, he fulfilled them all. Acts 4.12 says this, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name, no other name except for the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Without him, there's no truth. Without him, there's no life. Are you hearing me? Jesus Christ is the only one that can take away your sins. He is the only one that can give you true and lasting peace in your life. He is the only one that will unlock your God-given purpose on this earth. He is the only one that will save you from an eternity in the lake of fire. Now, I want to ask this question here. Because uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul kind of camps out on this one thing for a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me ask you this. What if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened? What what would be the consequences? Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. I want to read this then and touch on a few things in here. Everything, everything of our faith hinges on the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death on the cross wasn't enough. Are you hearing me, somebody? If Jesus' body was still in the grave, we might as well hang it up, go home. And watch Gilligan's Island right now. It's the resurrection that we hang our hats on. I'm telling you right now. Listen. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead. How do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? So evidently back in this time when the Apostle Paul wrote this. There were some people still saying that well that's not true. That's not, that really didn't happen. Are you hearing me? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. I'm wasting my time. People, you're wasting your time by putting me uh, on staff here at Revival Christian Center. Are you hearing me? Then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. It's in vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he, did, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. 
Then also those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. If, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of, of all men most pitiful. Or uh, King James says the most miserable. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened, Jesus, my friend, would be a liar. Jesus predicted or told about his resurrection on several occasions before going to the cross. At first, he would use kind of vague terms such as John 2. Look at this. John 2, 19 through 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. He thought they were talking about the building. They thought he was talking about the building. And, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. How many of you heard the scripture, as Christians, our body is the what of the Holy Spirit? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said. Now, so he was a little vague there. But later on in his earthly ministry, Jesus spoke plainly about his mission. Look at Matthew 16, 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Matthew 20, 18 through 19. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the, to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus is talking about himself before he went to that cross. John 10, 17 through 18. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power or authority to lay it down, Jesus said. And I have the power or authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. And then the angels declared to Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary in Matthew 28, 6, when they ran to the tomb and they seen the rock was rolled away, they looked in, didn't see him there. Angels declared this, he is not here. Say that with me, he is not here. For he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. The napkin. The cloth was folded because he was gone. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Did you know that? You know, when I first got born again, when I would read through the Gospels and, and I would read through all the stuff that Jesus had to go to the cross, how he was beaten beyond measure, the blood, the t everything, the, the horror of the crucifixion, I, I had, to be honest, I had trouble reading that. And like an anger would build up in me like, oh, why did they do that to him? Why did they do that to him? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever, you just felt so bad for him. But then on the inside, the Holy Spirit just assured me he had to do it. He had to. He, say he had to. To save us from the pits of hell for all who put their faith and trust in him. He had to do it for us. He chose to do it for us. Amen? So next time I want to challenge you when you read the crucifixion and stuff, just Thank him. Thank him. Take pleasure because he was taking your sins upon himself. Amen.
Now, after reading these scriptures I just talked to you about, uh, read to you about Jesus saying how he knew what he was going to do. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to raise on, be raised from the dead on the third day. There are some deceived people that say that Jesus had an identity problem. Have you ever heard people say this? Uh, Peter Jennings, when he had a special on TV, you know, they made it look like that Jesus was just aimlessly in his earthly ministry wandering around, wondering who he was. Give me a break. He knew who he was and he knew his mission. And to believe otherwise is to take up and receive a doctrine of demons. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was going to go to the cross willingly. He said, I lay my life down on my own accord. I'm going to do it myself for you, for me. I'm going to lay it down, and guess what? I have the authority. I'm going to raise back up three days later. And I'm going to take my blood and pour it over the mercy seat in heaven for you. So if the resurrection of Jesus Christ never took place, again, we would have to conclude that Jesus was a liar. He was a crazy madman. And if he lied about his resurrection from the dead, we wouldn't be able to trust anything else that he ever said, right? Nothing else. How could you trust a liar? How could you trust such a a deceived man? How could you trust such a crazy man? Every person on this earth, every person on this earth has to decide for themselves. Was Jesus a crazy madman and a liar? Or was he who he said he was? And will you receive him? Pretty big gamble, isn't it? To say that he was a crazy man and a liar. Especially when your eternity hangs in the balance. Are you hearing me, somebody? I don't want to be seeing you on judgment day stand before God and say... I told you so. Jesus was who he said he was. But it's too late for you now. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ never happened, there would be no gospel or no good news. That's what gospel means, good news. There would be no good news, but rather sad and bad news. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 17. Again, it says, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, worthless, vain, empty, and you're still in your sins. D.L. Moody, how many of you know who D.L. Moody was? He was back in, in the day, I don't remember, the, uh, back in the probably what, late 1800s, okay. He was a great evangelist and minister. D.L. Moody, listen to this. D.L. Moody was the great evangelist of the 19th century. Assigned, uh, he assigned some ministerial students to conduct evangelistic tent meetings throughout the city of Chicago. 
The students were to preach nightly sermons as a means of winning souls for Christ and to practice their preaching. Dr. Moody personally showed up one night unannounced at one of the meeting places to hear one of his fledgling young ministers preach the gospel. The young man did quite well expounding on the death of Christ on the cross for the sins of the world. And at the close of the service, the young man announced that everyone should come back the next night when he would preach on the resurrection of Christ. Well, after the meeting, after the people left, after the meeting, Moody said, young man, you will not be back tomorrow night. Many of these people will not be back tomorrow night and consequently have only heard half of the gospel. Romans 4.25 says, Christ was delivered for our offenses and he was raised for our justification. Half the gospel is no gospel at all. D.L. Moody said this. He rebuked that student because the student only focused on the death and he ignored the resurrection in the same message. Our faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me, somebody? Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there would be no justification. Say justification. What does that mean? Let me break it down for you real simply. Justification means this. Just as if I have never sinned. In other words, by the blood of Jesus, faith in him, faith in what he did on the cross, faith in his resurrection from the dead. You are declared not guilty in the courts of heaven. Simply by believing the gospel. That's it. Believe it. Live by it. Make this your standard for living your life. Anything else is false peace. Anything else is a lie. Are you hearing me? So we need to put as much emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus as much as we do on the cross of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Without the cross, the resurrection never would have happened. Hello? Thank you, Holy Ghost. In the same way, without you taking up your cross daily, (laughs) hello, somebody, resurrection won't happen. Are you hearing me? You've got to be sold out to Jesus 100%. Oh, it's so rampant. I'm telling you, I mean, I'm hearing, I got, uh, many of you probably seen the email. How many of you know Rick Warren? The purpose. I, I just got an email from the American Family Association that he is backtracking now on his support for that Proposition 8 to ban gay marriage. He was for it. Now he's saying that he never really gave a press conference. That he's, he's backing away. What is this? Is he a minister of the gospel or not? And I ask, where are the Christians who are faithful to Jesus? Where are they? Are they going to stand up and be bold for him? Or are they just going to pussyfoot away from him? Are you hearing me? I'm tired of this. It's commitment to Jesus Christ. It's not just a one-time prayer. It's commitment to him. I don't want to hear him say on judgment day when I go to him and say, Lord, Lord, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. He said he's going to tell many in that day, depart from me, I never knew you. Obviously, those people thought they were saved. Those people thought they were okay. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
You thought you knew me, but you didn't know me because you made another Jesus. You made a Jesus that, that encamped the world. You made another Jesus that fit your own self and not the Jesus of the Bible. Are you hearing me? Why am I being so bold of, about this? Because I don't want anybody under my watch going to hell for eternity. Right. Are you hearing me? Right. It's 100% commitment. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all of your life. I, I tell you right now, that, uh, that scares hell right out of me. Thinking that, that I, I think I'm okay living a life of deception on this earth. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, Lord. God, what a, what a nightmare that would be, people. And the thing is, you can't reverse it once it's done. The moment you take your last breath on this earth, the judgment. It's done. It's sealed. So some of you who have not made Jesus Lord of your life watching me or here or listening on the radio, you, my friend, are on borrowed time. And I'll tell you right now, you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. My mom didn't know that she was going to take her last breath at 54 years old two weeks ago. Are you hearing me? But I'm glad to say she loved Jesus and she's in heaven today. Praise God for that. Amen. I know for she loved the Lord. She was bold for Jesus. But I'll tell you right now. She didn't know when she got up at 10.30 at night from the couch after falling asleep on the couch and walking past my dad. My dad said, good night, honey. She said, good night. She didn't know that she would take her last breath in 20 minutes after that. And friend, you don't know. If you walk out of here, you get in your car, you get in a car accident, you're gone. Are you hearing me? You don't know. You don't know. You need to do some major heart searching right now. Because if you're listening to me, it's not too late. If you're listening to me, you got breath in your lungs, it's not too late. Listen to me. Someone could die of a heart attack in here right now. And go to hell for eternity. And they're hearing the message right now. Oh, you're just using a scare tactic. You know what? Fine. Hey, that's your gamble then. Just don't tell, don't, don't come to me on judgment day. Say, Pastor James, you never told me. Are you hearing me? That, that's your gamble. I'm telling you right now. Look, I'm telling you, we, we talk faith talk and all that good stuff. But I'm telling you right now, my mom didn't know she would take her last breath at 54 years old. I'm talking about the reality of the matter here, people. I'm a faith man, believe me. But I'm saying you just better be ready to take your last breath at any time. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then he has no power to save us. We would still be in bondage to devil, to the devil and evil spirits and the power of darkness. There would be no hope. We would have no hope for the future. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those, listen to this, then also those who have fallen asleep, that's talking about they died. In Christ, their Christians have perished because their faith would have been in vain if Christ didn't rise from the dead. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable or pitiful. Pitiable, it says there. 
The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is giving us a glimpse of what we would be missing out on if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead. The fact is this, Jesus Christ is our only hope in this life and in that which is to come. Are you hearing me? Only faith in him will get you a one-way ticket with him forever in eternity. Time without end. Listen, I know we throw the word eternity around, but think about it. It's time without end. You can't get out of the place of hell or the lake of fire once you're there. It's hell right now, but it says at the end of time, hell is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And by the way, hell was never created. Hell and the lake of fire were never created for human beings. It was created for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. But the, we serve a holy God, and he demands sinlessness. And the only one who can take our sins away is Jesus Christ. So, the only, so you have two choices. Either you're going to pay for your own sins and go to hell with the devil and evil spirits. Because if you're, if you're an unbeliever, you are a child of the devil, the Bible says. You either pay for your sins yourself, big price, or you just simply by believing the gospel and living for him, making the Bible, the word of God, the standard for your life, and you live with him forever in eternity. It's that simple. It's that simple. But through Jesus Christ, we have the hope of seeing those loved ones that were Christians that went on before us. Paul, the apostle Paul was, was... Uh, wrote to grieving Christians in, Th- in a city called Thessalonica who had lost relatives and friends. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. I'll tell you what, your faith hits, where, uh, this is where the rubber hits the road with your faith, when you lose someone who is so close to you. Are you hearing me, somebody? You lose a parent, you lo- whatever. Hey, what I preach up here every Sunday, I have to put in practice in my life through this trial in my life. Are you hearing me, somebody? This is where it hits the road. Either I'm going to choose to believe what God's word says and draw strength and draw comfort, or I'm just going to recluse. I'm, I'm just going to back away and I fall back in backslide and I end up in hell for eternity. I say, I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to draw strength and comfort because I know he's a good God. Amen. In fact, I, in, in a letter I wrote, uh, family members, we wrote a letter to my mom just to be read at the funeral, just as a thing of closure. And one thing I said in there, I said, Mom, your sudden death has not shaken my faith in the word of God or in the promises in the word. And your sudden death has not swayed my faith in believing that God is a good God. Amen? I don't, God didn't take her anyways. Are you hearing me? I, I, you, no one can ever talk me into that she was, that it was her time at 54 years old. No way. No way. 1 Thessalonians 4. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant or lacking knowledge, brethren, Christians, concerning those who have fallen asleep or died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there it is, believe in the resurrection. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, uh, look at verse 18. He goes and he talks about 
the rapture, how we're going to be caught up with the Lord. We're going to see our loved ones. And then he wraps it up. He ties a nice bow on it here in verse 18. And he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, with me dealing with this sudden loss, sudden death of my mom, I can see, you know, he says here, he says, um, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who sorrow who have no hope. I, I can see how people that are unsaved and without hope, without the comfort of Jesus Christ, I could see how someone would go nuts in this situation that I'm going through right now, losing my, my, my mom. I can see how someone would go batty if you didn't know anything from the Word of God and the truth of the Word. You would go nuts. Where'd they go? What's happened to them? Is she okay right now? Is she? We don't have to fret that way because I know what the Word says. She knew Jesus. She's in the presence of Almighty God right now. And the loved ones who, loved, who were saved and went on before you they're in the same place, probably visiting my mom right now. Are you hearing me? Who knows? But all I know is they're in the presence of the Lord right now. But we have a living hope through Jesus Christ. It is not just, listen to me, I know what some people are thinking. Some people are thinking, this is just, yeah, that's just a religious crutch for you to lean on because you're so hurt and broke. No, it's not just a religious crutch. It's not a false hope to make us feel better. Come on. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. It's the hope of glory. Are you hearing me, somebody? It is truly the peace that passes all understanding. The Word of God is true. Now, if you're going through the death of a loved one like, like I am right now, sure, there's a grieving process. Sure, some days are better than others. And Are you hearing me? But that's the grieving process. Jesus wept. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But even in the midst of my tears, even in the midst of my pain, I can feel the Holy Spirit comfort in me. And you know what? I can't even explain it to you. It's like he, he has me surrounded in a bubble of... Even though tears come when the memories come in my mind, I, I still have, I'm still resting in the arms of Jesus. I still feel the, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I know, I know if you, you're not saved, you don't know what I'm talking about, or if you never experienced the loss of a loved one, but I'm telling you, it's real, and I feel it. I feel it. So I'm, I, with all boldness, I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter what you're going to go through in the future because you know what? We live on a fallen world. You know, you know what? You are going to have family members that pass away. You know what? You are going to have to deal with the loss of mom and dad one day. You are going to have to deal with some of these things. But I, let me, I can tell you right now, with me going through this right now with my mom, you will make it. But just stay close to Jesus. Just stay close to Jesus. Whatever trial it is, whatever you're going through, you can make it, and you can have his strength. I'm telling you right I feel the anointing as I'm saying this. You can have the peace that passes all understanding. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It is so beautiful. I didn't know how I was going to be able to get up and preach today because, you know, I'm, I'm, this happened so recently. I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to strengthen me. I feel the strength. He come through. Amen. Who knows, maybe, maybe God uh, up there, he, he said, hey, Crystal, he pulls, opens the door in heaven, he says, look at your son preaching right now. 
Amen. Who knows what God's doing up there? Amen. But regardless, I'm going to preach and teach the gospel till I take my last breath on this earth. Amen. But you can make it. Whatever trial you're going through, whatever you are going to go through, you're going to make it. But hold on to the anchor of God's word and choose to draw strength from him. Hallelujah. If Christ is not risen, why bother going to church? You would be better off somewhere else. If Christ is not risen, why bother to put your money in the offering plate? You're only giving to a lost cause. If Christ is not risen, why bother to serve him? You're wasting your time. Go out, party, drink, have a good time. Act like a fool. Hello, somebody. If Christ is not risen, why tell others about him? You might as well just save your breath. Hello. Listen to this. Thomas Jefferson. How many of you know who Thomas Jefferson is? Or did you fall asleep that day? In his? Okay. Thomas Jefferson could... Listen to... I, I just found this out. Thomas Jefferson could not accept the miraculous elements in Scripture. He edited his own special version of the Bible in which all references to the supernatural were deleted. Jefferson, in editing the Gospels, confined confined himself only to the moral teachings of Jesus. The closing words of Jefferson's edited version of the Bible are these. There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. Those were the last words in Thomas Jefferson's edited version of the Bible. Well, thank God that's not the end of the story. Are you hearing me? I received the whole story. All the truth and nothing but the truth. Amen? Jesus is alive and well. God is still a God of miracles. He is a holy God. And we are going to be held accountable for every action, for every word that comes out of our mouth. Jesus Christ was telling the truth when he predicted he would rise from the dead. He is the son of the living God. The gospel is the good news. It is 100% true. It is 100% reliable. It really is, as the Word of God says, the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believes it. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your eternity. Our faith is grounded in a living Savior who can save every person from sin, the second death in hell. Hello. How many of you know what the second death is? The Bible speaks of the second death. The first death is, is physical death. Guess what? Every man, every person, unless if Jesus tarries, is going to have an appointment with death. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Are you hearing me? Think about that. So the second death means when you stand before God in judgment day. He looks at the book of life and he says, you're not in here. Bye. And you're thrown into the lake of fire. That is what the Bible refers to as the second death. When we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, we are spreading the truth and not a lie. 
Jesus, I find this interesting, Jesus asked his disciples one day, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus turned to them and said this, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And my question for you today is this. Who do you believe that Jesus is? Is he just that crazy man? Is he a liar? I mean, is this just, is this just a good bedtime story to read to your kids? Nothing more, just a fairy tale. Or is he in fact who he said he was? The Christ, the chosen one of God, the son of God. Now, some of you don't understand what the son of God means. What does that mean? The son of God, it, it means that Jesus did not have an earthly father. You understand that? He had an earthly mother, Mary, right? But who impregnated Mary? The Holy Spirit. God did. Jesus was the son of God. He was 100% human. He was 100% God. And he conquered sin in the flesh. And the devil doesn't like that message very much. And the devil doesn't like that unsaved people right now are listening to this gospel being preached. Are you hearing me? Some people think that Jesus was just, oh, you know, like, you know, a lot the cults, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, and all. They just believe Jesus was a good man. He was just a prophet. No, 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 no. He was the God-man. And you can't keep a God-man down. Are you hearing me, somebody? Oh, no. You can't keep a God-man down. Be very careful about those cults. Because they sound good. They come to your door. They hand you a Bible. That looks very much like yours. But you know what? They strip Jesus of his deity. That he wasn't the son of God. In fact, some think that Jesus and Satan were brothers. Can you believe people are that stupid to believe this stuff? No, they're absolute enemies of, of each other. Amen? So my question again, who do you believe that Jesus is? Every person on this earth has a choice to make. Like I said, either Jesus is a liar, he's a crazy man, or you're going to believe who he claimed to be. You're going to believe the 500 people that seen him after his resurrection? You're going to believe the people that were standing there and watched Jesus literally get taken up into heaven? What category do you fit in today? One last scripture and I'm done. John 20. Are you staying awake this morning for me? This is... This is the most important message that you're ever going to hear in your life. Because your eternity depends upon it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 20, 24 through 31 says, Now Thomas, called the twin of one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord after his resurrection. 
So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print, his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. After, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. Jesus just appeared. How can he do that? He was in his glorified body. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. See, it's still a choice to believe. He still told Thomas, even with Jesus standing there, saying, touch this, feel this right here. It's really me. He he still said, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Well, Jesus, don't you think if you were there and he's putting putting his hand inside your your side and feeling your hands, it's still a choice. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I love that. Some people say, well, if Jesus would just appear to me. If he would just appear to me like he did Thomas, I could put my hands in his hand, my, my, my finger in his, the holes of his hands in his side, I will become a Christian. Guess what? You're going to be waiting a long time and you're going to find yourself in hell if that's what you're waiting for. Jesus said this, blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. There's one thing that stands in the way of you being saved from an eternity in the lake of fire. And that is simply this, your free will choice to believe who Jesus claimed he claimed to be. Listen to this. Promise, I'm on my last page. Stick with me. Don't miss this, people. Listen. Every year, thousands of people climb a mountain in the Italian Alps, passing the stations of the cross to stand at an outdoor crucifix or a cross that's out on that mountain. One tourist noticed a little trail that led beyond the cross. Beyond the cross. He found through the rough thicket And to his surprise, came upon another shrine. A shrine that symbolized the empty tomb of Jesus. It was neglected. The brush had grown up around it. Almost everyone had gone as far as the cross, but there they stopped. What's the moral of the story? Far too many people have gotten to the cross and have known the despair and the heartbreak, but far too few few have moved beyond the cross to find the real message of the Easter season, and that, my friend, is the empty tomb, that Jesus is alive and well. Listen. I, you see in some religions or some, some areas of Christianity where they have a, a crucifix, where Jesus is still on the cross. My friend, when I look at that, that's pretty depressing to me. I don't know about you. They're glorifying the death. That's great, but listen. The cross is empty now. The tomb is empty. And Jesus Christ is alive and well. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, 
You don't need to pray to a dead saint. Listen, you don't need to pray to a dead saint to be your go-between between you and God. Some people say, yeah, but isn't, isn't uh, you're praying to the dead when you pray to Jesus, right? No, he rose from the dead, dummy. He rose from the dead. He is alive and well. Listen to me. You don't need a dead saint. You don't need a dead saint. You know what that's called? Necromancy, talking to the dead. You don't need to go there. Don't go there. In fact, it's an abomination in the word of God. Are you hearing me? So will you believe the good news as it is written in the word of God? Or will you choose to continue to live a life of false hope? A life of false peace without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Choose life today. Choose to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ right now before it's too late and you're lost forever. Hebrews, again, Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men or unto a person once to die, but after this the judgment. The moment you take your last breath on this earth, it's too late, game over, your eternity has been sealed. And that is your choice. Let's stand in this place right now. Guys, I'm telling you, This is, it's not just a good story. It's not a fairy tale. I I don't know how else to bring it around. Holy Ghost, show them. Holy Ghost, show them. Holy Spirit, show them. Take the blinders off of their eyes. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you just to come forward by this drum set, and I want to have the privilege of praying with you to have a new birthday, to become born again. To be delivered from Satan's grip, from Satan's authority. Well, oh, I'm not in Satan's authority. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. Yeah, well, guess what? It's in line with Satan's will. You're just going with the flow of the world. That's all you're doing. And and Satan is called the God of this world, with a small g, by the way. Jesus Christ is the only one that can pull you out. Jesus Christ is the only one that will give you peace. That can wash your sins away and save you from an eternity in the lake of fire. If you've never made him Lord of your life, don't be embarrassed. Come forward. Jesus wasn't ashamed to hang on a cross for you. You ought not be ashamed to come down and and make him Lord of your life today. Now maybe there's someone in here. I venture out to say that there's probably more of this category here today. And maybe watching. Maybe in the past you've made Jesus Lord of your life, and, but you know what? You've fallen away from him. You've backslid. You know you're not right with God. Pastor James, how do I know if I need to rededicate my life to God? Answer every time. I say, if you right now took your last breath, do you have confidence that you would go to heaven for eternity? If your answer is no, I don't have that confidence, you need to come forward and we need to rede- you need to rededicate your life. And I want to lead you through a prayer to do that. Because that's too big of a gamble. I'm telling you right now. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want to have the privilege of just praying with you. Well, I don't have to go up there and and do it to make it official. You're right, you don't have to. But I'm here for you if you want to. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's not Pentecostal, it's not charismatic, it's Bible. And if you listen to the radio broadcast today, I started to preach on that. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
If you want to learn more and receive the Holy Spirit baptism today, I want you to meet me over by that drum set. Maybe you need a physical healing. Maybe you need an emotional healing. Maybe you're bound with fear. Maybe you just have a situation in your life you need prayer for. You just want someone to come in agreement. If that's you, I want you to come forward. In fact, I feel like doing this. Why don't each one of you turn to your neighbor and ask them if there's anything you can pray with them for? Turn to your neighbor. Just say, is there anything I can pray with you for? We, we got to get busy for the kingdom of God. It's not all about Pastor James. Just see if there's anything that you can pray about. Hallelujah. And if you want me to pray with you, I'll be up here at this by the drum set. Yeah. 